Shall we just pray? Father, we just remember that it's all about you. And we love you. We worship you. Jesus, we are so grateful and thankful for what you've done for us. And Holy Spirit, we love your presence. So we just welcome you here. We present our hearts to you, as well as our minds and our bodies, but our hearts first of all. And would you come and touch our hearts today for you, Jesus? Because you are the one for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right, well, um, the title of what I'm going to talk about is uh, Waiting with Intention. Um, I may go around a bit, but I hope you follow what I feel um, the Lord wants to encourage with us today. You know, when you've been given a a promise by... God, whether it's promised prophetically or it's something that he's just spoken quietly in your heart, and it takes a very long time before you see it come into being. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) And sometimes you see some of that come in, like a little bit, but you know there's actually more for you. And I know that in the road to waiting to see these things come into being, we can go down the road of disappointment and heartache. Hope deferred makes a heart sick, doesn't it? But a hope fulfilled is the tree of life. And Jesus is our tree of life. When we look at the promises of God, I'm going to break them down into into probably about three different kind of promises that he gives us. The first is the universal promises of God, which is to do with salvation. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we know that we are saved. There's no question about it. He died on the cross to enable us to be Um, united back with the Father and saved. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We then have more what I call general or daily promises that the Father has given us such as provision. If you look at Luke 12, 22 to 34, I'm not going to read it all out. But when you look at that passage, he says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat and drink, but seek first the kingdom. And there's enough in the New Testament, actually in the Old Testament as well, where we know that God is willing and able to provide for our provisions, what I'm calling um, uh, finances, 
food, drink, a house, clothing, the practical provisions in our lives. And then, and that's what I'm going to focus on, is the more personal promises which are unique to you as an individual. I believe that um, when we are formed and created in our mother's womb, Psalm 139 talks about, let me just uh, find it if I can. Um, Psalm 139 talks about, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I wasn't hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. You saw all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. And I believe that when we are created, it's, it's almost like um, the father looks at this little thing that he's creating and says, right, here's a physical being, but into this, son or daughter, I am placing unique destiny and calling and promises which only they can live out and complete. I hope you agree with me. <laughs> yeah? We know that in that place of promise, um, the enemy likes to come and steal and rob and try to hinder us from fulfilling the promises and the destiny that God has put in us. Would you agree? If, if he wasn't, we wouldn't experience the frustration and the, you know, the tribulations of life. And am I ever going to amount to anything? Am I ever going to fulfill what I know instinctively God has placed in me? Yeah? When we look at Abraham as an example, Genesis 15, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. One of the things that I have become very aware of in my journey is this whole thing about what we believe or trust or faith. That there's a whole, um, it, it kind of revolves around each other. Is am I believing that something will happen or do I simply believe God? There's a difference. Do I believe it because it's a word and I've got to, um, for Abraham, I'm going to somehow get a son, although my wife has been barren all these years and it's impossible? Or do I believe it because God has said it to me? There's a difference. Most of us have grasped to some level the promises of salvation and eternal life. And most of us have experience of what I'm calling the general promises of provision. But I'm really going to go 
for what we know that God has said to us in our own hearts and prophetically by other people. One of the things that I've learned over the years, I've had a lot of prophetic words over me, and um, I've had a lot of, like, I think I'm made for this, God. <laughs> and I've, in seasons of my life, I've been very um, in those things, very active in those things, and then suddenly they stop. And I'm kind of like, oh, what just happened there? But I know in the process of the seasons that the Lord has taken me in, each time it's kind of been a, oh, <laughs> what just happened there? Because I go back to him, and, and I'm, it's a decision I make sometimes. He basically comes alongside me and says, I know. But we've got a little detour to make, Jenny, because I'm doing a little work in you. Sometimes when things have been taken from us or situations happen, um, you know, we all know what that looks like. It's almost like we will stay in a season of ranting and railing. God, why have you done this? Why has this happened? The first time, actually the second time, he did this to me. My season changed very abruptly. This was about, oh, I don't know, uh, probably about 12 years ago. Um, I was ranting and railing. <laughs> How many identify with that? You rant and rail and you're like, why has this happened? I was fully in my calling or my destiny. I don't know what just happened. Um, blah, 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 ranting and railing. And um, the father very gently took me aside and said, um, Jenny, you know, I did the work. I was like, Holy Spirit, I'm ranting and railing. This is after a few months. And I know that you have my life in your hands. So what actually is going on? And uh, he took me quietly to one side and he said gently, your, your identity, Jenny, is in ministry. I've just come out of 18 years of ministry. And I want your identity to be in me. Whew. 18 years in ministry. And I loved what I did. And in that season, if you'd ever asked me, I would have said, I love, I love God. I am passionate about what he's doing. I only do what I see the Father doing. I love ministering to people. I love prophesying. I love leading worship. I love, um, you know, just ministering to people and, and seeing them embrace life again. And then it stopped. And the Holy Spirit gently was, he was very gentle about it because I, I didn't quite believe it when he first said it to me. Jenny, your identity is in ministry, but I want your identity to be in me. I was heartbroken. Number one, because I couldn't believe that after all those years in ministry, and it was in Toronto where God was moving eight of those years, I couldn't believe that my 
um, identity was in ministry. If you'd ever asked me, I would have said no. <laughs> I love him. So it was a big shock to me when he said that. However, it began the most profound journey that I would say I have ever experienced. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Because I basically said to him, if I never minister again, and I, I couldn't believe I could live like that, by the way. If I never minister again, it has to be okay for me. I have to be content. And I know I can't get myself there. So Holy Spirit, you'll have to do it. And he did. Two very painful years. Lots of weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> A lot of dreams laid down. A lot of prophetic words laid down, because I was in the flow of all my prophetic words. A lot of them laid down. Everything was laid down. And I basically said, we have to start again then. You need to teach me how to love you. Because I'm not sure I know how to love you, Lord. You'll have to teach me how to pray again. You'll have to teach me how to worship you again. And slowly over those two years, I mean, life is always a journey, but over those two to three years, he got me to a place of such um, peace and contentment in him. Um, a depth of understanding of his grace for me that I wouldn't exchange it for anything. I wouldn't. But what I'm talking about is the promises because the promises and the prophetic words over my life still stand, right? If God spoke them, even though I laid them on the altar, they still stand if God spoke them. Remember when Isaac was born, God said to Abraham, I want you to take him with some wood up a mountain and sacrifice the promise on the mountain. Now, when they got to the top, um, God provided another way. But what's fascinating about that story is, is Abraham believed God he wasn't resting on the promise of Isaac. He just knew God. Can you see the difference? And so he was therefore able to, to be obedient and do what God asked him to do because he believed God. His security wasn't in the promise. Do, do you get that? When we put our security in the prophetic words that have been given to us or the, the inklings in our hearts, I know I'm made for this. If we put our security in those things and those things become life to us, we've already wandered away. Because 
The Father is a, is a jealous God. <laughs> He's really jealous for us. He wants us. And he wants us to want and need him. Not the promises. Right? He gave everything for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. Because he wants us. You see, if you hold too tightly onto something and it doesn't happen, then the enemy uses it to make you question God or whether you hear him. He did it with Adam and Eve in the, in the garden. Did God really say, did you hear right? Is God a liar? And I've learned over the years that the best thing to do is to say, I think of it in the terms of this, in this way, is to say, I thank you for the calling and destiny on my life. I thank you for the promises that you've given me. I thank you for the prophetic words that have been spoken over me. Here they are, Lord. Would you breathe life on that which you want to do in its right time. And I will, I will link my arm with you and walk into that when you're ready. But in the meantime, I'm going to stand here in your presence, living life every day, fully celebrating you and enjoying what you bring me today. That's intimacy. That's not always looking ahead, waiting for the promises and missing out on life today. Does that make sense? Because I know, especially with a lot of teaching that's around, we're always looking ahead. We're saying, he will, he will take me into my fullness. There is a destiny for me. There are promises. I'm not quite in them yet, so I'm going to be looking ahead. And, and there's, I'm not saying that's wrong to do, but when that becomes the focus, rather than your face, is all I seek. Jesus. Why don't you just take a moment and close your eyes and say, Jesus, your face is all I seek. The beauty of your gaze. The beauty of your gaze on me. Your face. Eye to eye, nose to nose, your face, God, today, now.
He is a very present God. He is present with us now. It's not all about the future. He is present with us now. I'm not saying there isn't future. There is future, and there are general promises. You, know, you, you, know, you do know we're waiting for a bridegroom. We're waiting for the bridegroom, Jesus. to marry us as the bride. Never forget that. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about him. And yet, we are so precious to him. And he has so much for us to enjoy and embrace in life, which is today. I'm skipping all over my notes. It's a bit disorientating. <laughs> Going back to Abraham, the promise was to see his descendants like the stars in the sky. Do you think he ever saw that? Maybe once he was in heaven, maybe now he could say that. But in his physical lifetime, he wouldn't have seen that. And sometimes I think when God gives us promises and prophetic words, we have to think a little bit generational. <laughs> Perhaps he's given us the seed of something to start today. And the outcome will be in the next generation's. I find that much easier to understand and grasp. It takes a lot of the pressure off me. I've had some big words. But for me, it's, it's all about saying, well, Lord, you gave the word. If it's yours, you will bring it to pass. All I need to do is celebrate you today and do what I can today to walk with you and live with you and celebrate everybody you bring across my path today. Life becomes a little bit easier then for me. And it may not look like it, but I'm, you know, my age is not getting younger. <laughs> Unless I live to be a hundred. <laughs> I'm over the halfway mark. Makes it easier. So in, in one of the things that I have processed over time is when we are waiting for the promises of God over our lives to come into being, rather than being frustrated, and I've done that, I've railed at God. I've wept before God. I've been angry at him. I've been angry at people. I've done all of that. My question is, how do we wait? I've given you a tip already. Live in today. Celebrate God today. Celebrate people today. 
Heidi Baker says, look at the one. So do we wait with frustration or do we wait with joy? I believe that in the season of waiting, that um, God is doing works, a work in our life that has to be done sometimes. I think he's building character. There's a lot of scripture in the, in the New Testament about character building. <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews 12, God disciplines us as sons to bring character so that we run and are not lame. If you read Hebrews 12, the end of that section, so that we run and are not lame. Incredible. He disciplines us so that we can run and we're not limping. I'd prefer that, would you? Character. Ready to give him the glory, not take it for ourselves. Integrity. Use it for God's, use whatever he gives us for God's purposes and not our own. Testing. to see whether we're more interested in the prophetic word or are we more interested in him. Just saying. <laughs> he longs for intimacy and relationship with us. That is his heart's cry for us. Trust. Do we really trust him to come through and if he doesn't, do we trust him anyway? What's our motivation for loving? Do we love him because of what he gives us or what he's promised us? Or do we just love him anyway? I had a discussion, probably I can't remember, 20, 30 years ago, where I just made a decision. It's been tested since. And I just said to, I said to God, well, I've chosen to believe in you and I've chosen to walk with you. And I'm also sort of making a declaration that whatever happens to me in life, whether I end up on the street homeless or not, I will always say that you're a good God and that you never fail me. It was kind of an inner decision that I took, that my intimacy and relationship with God was not dependent on what happened in my circumstances. Does that make sense? Sometimes our intimacy and relationship with God is dependent on what life is offering us. So when we go through the hard times, we do do the ranting and the railing and we think God has abandoned us. It's not true. Scripture's very clear. He's with us always. He walks with us always. And it's the enemy that makes us, likes to make us think, oh, you know, God's abandoned me, abandoned you. It's just the enemy. 
I could give a whole teaching on um, Adam and Eve were given the stewardship of the world and the enemy robbed them. He, he, he puts in the question of the lie. Did God really say? Oh, no. He, he, he said it because he doesn't want you to be wise like him. He, he questions God's integrity and character. That's what he does. But God is true. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our truth. Jesus is our way. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. Jesus is our sure foundation. Jesus is the living word. I could go on. He's the defender of our faith. He's the beginning and the end. He is the all in all. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the beginning and the end of our lives. It is really all about Jesus. But he has designed us to do and accomplish things in our lives. And the different way that I would like to see it is almost like he puts these things in our heart and these, you know, secret desires and these hidden things and he confirms them by prophetic words externally. And then I like to see it as he'll come along and he'll say, right, Jenny, what do you think? Should we go and do this today? Rather than you have to go and perform all these amazing things, otherwise I will turn my face away from you because you haven't succeeded. I think he's much more like, okay, Jenny, let's link arms. What do you fancy doing today? I know that the Bible talks about there being a very narrow way. I believe that's about salvation. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. But I think in our general walk with him, there's quite a wide road. And on that road, we're journeying along, and he says, right, Jenny, today, which of all the options today would you enjoy doing with me? Because I've got quite a number. Jesus is infinite. Of course he's got quite a number. Sometimes we get too stuck in the narrow. Am I being obedient? Am I not being obedient? Am I being obedient? Am I not being obedient? What is God saying? Should I do this? Should I wear red today or should I wear blue? I think he's like, you can wear the, rain, the whole rainbow if you want. You'll look beautiful in any of it. Does that make sense? We, we make it too small. We make God and our life with him too small. 
I agree there are some times where there's obedience needed and he is asking us to do particular things. But in general, I think, I think the, the view is quite broad. So, how do you wait? Do you wait in a place of peace and trust? Allowing God to refine your character, build up your integrity and your wisdom, bring you into a deeper relationship with him. A relationship that's based on knowing him, not on the prophetic words. Or are you ranting and railing? I've done the ranting and railing. I still do it sometimes, by the way, because I'm not perfect. So I identify with that. But I'm much quicker at coming back to him now. It's a lot more fun. If nothing ever happens, if the promises never come into being in your lifetime, by the way, would you truly be able to say... Only God matters. Only knowing him matters. Psalm 27. I read in that season that I mentioned, 12 or whenever years ago, Psalm 27 was the only psalm that I could read for a whole year. <laughs> I used to, this was in my flat in London, I used to kneel on the ground, put my head in a white armchair that I still have, open that psalm, and I used to speak it over to my, myself as a declaration. It's all I could do, weeping and weeping. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will wait for the Lord. I will be strong and I will take heart and I will wait for the Lord. I will be strong. I will take heart and I will wait for the Lord whatever life throws at me. Now, if you're in a place where you're not actually able to say, yeah, I'm waiting well, don't worry. <laughs> All it is is the Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention. And there might be a little bit of work in your heart that needs to be done. Just take time and ask the Holy Spirit, like I did all those years ago. I didn't do it with anybody else. I did it on my own in my sitting room. What, what is it that I'm not getting? What is it that you need to say to me that I need to deal with so that I'm not ranting and railing anymore? Because I know God is good. And I know he also disciplines me. And as you ask the Holy Spirit, there may be an area of forgiveness that you need to do. 
there may be some inner vows that you're living under, some judgments, some judgments against people that you've made. There may be things you need to repent of. And I know none of those are easy issues. If we've been hurt and sinned against, it's not an easy issue. But there is freedom in forgiveness. And Jesus died on the cross to nullify the law against us. To give us grace in every circumstance. In that particular season, one of the things I was battling was I'm a failure. I have failed. 18 years in ministry. But what I was battling was I'm a complete failure. <laughs> and I did everything I knew how to do. <laughs> I did the forgiving. I did the repenting. I did the breaking of judgments and vows and all of those things. You know, I've ministered to a lot of people over those things. And then I kind of had this internal discussion and I said to the Lord and to the enemy at the same time if I can say it's in my thoughts rather than in any way and I just said you know what maybe I am a failure because I've been battling it and I was trying to do it's it's that's an ungodly belief and I need a godly belief to replace it but somehow it wasn't quite working for me and I've taught on all this stuff and I said, and I basically said, you know what? Maybe I just am a failure. I'm so exhausted with the battle. Maybe I just am. However, there's a wizard, however. However, enemy, there's some things that are non negotiable for me. The first one, is God is good and he is kind all the time. And the second one is for my very failure, Jesus died and shed his blood for me. So my failure is hidden. And in the Father's eyes, I am a complete success. not by my works it's not by what I can do it is simply because Jesus died for me that all my failures are covered do you know how much peace that brought me I was like oh, now I can relax I can simply relax in Jesus. He is the author and finisher of my faith. And all I can do is rest in him and what he's done for me. It was beautiful. And I still live in that. I can tell when I'm coming out of it because I begin to stress. But as soon as I, you know, pick all of that stress up, um, I get a little red flag 
and I'm like, hang on a minute. I have taken myself out of the beauty of the finished work of the cross. And I have gone back into striving and performance. And I'm just not living there anymore. Does that make sense? The best way that I can describe it for me is when I'm sitting under the grace, which is the finished work of the cross. I don't know whether you know Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. And that light comes down. (laughs) It's almost like I'm sitting in this um, tube of the presence of his light. And I'm at rest in this place. Somebody had a picture earlier for me about being under um, golden drops of misty rain. That's how I visualized it. And it just reminded me of that is me in his presence. And I'm here totally by grace, not because I have accomplished or performed. So when I find myself over here stressed, performing, striving, my red flag goes off pretty quickly these days, I actually mentally take myself back. I can do it in the middle of a conversation. And I just mentally sit there. I can still be chatting. But inside I'm like, no, I'm in your presence. I'm resting in you, Jesus. Your blood covers everything about me, good and bad. Good and bad. You cover everything about me. And that is my deepest place of peace. He covers everything about you. That's the beauty of the gospel. He covers everything about you. He formed you. He created you. He spoke destiny over you. He spoke promises over you. But he wants you, not your promises, not your destiny. He wants you. He wants you face to face, nose to nose. Face to face, nose to nose. Intimate with him. Christ in me the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's who he is for us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, I haven't actually done this message for a very long time. And as I was praying about it, um, I felt it was specific to some people this morning. I don't know who you are, 
I don't know whether you're a visitor or somebody that belongs here. But there are some of you that have come today needing to know him. But needing to know that he hasn't left you. That he's not a God of broken promises. But that he's a God who wants you face to face and nose to nose. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm just going to do some uh, ministry. There will be a time for more personal ministry afterwards. Um, if there are any ministry team tonight, I'm in this morning. But... Um, if you need personal ministry, do come to the front and have prayer. But in the meantime, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit directly Holy Spirit, in my place of, of unfulfilled promises or broken, what I feel are broken promises with you. In my place of frustration and desperation, what do you want to show me? Now, for some of you, that's not a relevant question, but I'm speaking to those who have come with some, you know, some disturbance in their souls. Why don't you ask him as well, is there any um, thing that I need to do to restore me back to peace again? Is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there anything I need to repent of? And just do it quietly. This is directly between you and him. When you've done that, why don't you just hold out your hands in a, in a it's almost like a place of receiving. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and touch you again. Or if you prefer to put your hand on your heart. Father, you know the hearts of each one in this room. I don't. But you do, Father. You know where there have been broken promises. You know where there have been shattered dreams. You know where there's been frustration in the journey. And Father, we give every one of those broken promises, shattered dreams, and those frustrations to you. 
even where you have felt like you've, you've waited patiently for a long time. Just give him all that frustration. Father, we forgive those that have caused those situations. And we release them to you. Father, where we have harbored anger and frustration against you and against others, where we have accused others of stopping our dreams, we repent. Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe life into each of these hearts? Breathe life and passion for Jesus, passion for the Father, passion for you, Holy Spirit, into these hearts. Revelation talks about lukewarm or cold hearts. (laughs) I don't think anybody wants to have a lukewarm or a cold heart this morning. I think you all want to have hot hearts for him. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. So why don't you put your hand on your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to just re- impassion your heart again to be hot for the Lord to be ignited with fire for him again and Holy Spirit would you come and reignite passion in our hearts again passion for you Jesus you are our bridegroom and you are coming And we want to be a passionate people for you. Not lukewarm, but passionate. And just wait. While you're waiting, I'm going to tell you a little story. When we got in the car to come here this morning, we live in Peastown, which is just south of Bath, for those of you who don't know. We came to the road that normally comes direct into Bath, and it was closed. So we had to take a detour. Thank, thank, thank you for iPhone sat-navs and everything. And um, it didn't take us too long to do the detour coming in. But um, as we came in and then joined the road back into Bath, the Lord um, said to me, sometimes when the road in front of you is closed to your destination, I will always bring a detour. So for those of you who have come today and felt like the road in front of you has been closed, there's been a particular thing 
that your heart was set on and you know it was the Lord's thing. The Lord says to you, don't worry about the closed road in front of you because I will just take you on a detour. And the detour that we took this morning was beautiful countryside. In fact, I said to Paul, my husband, I'm so glad you're driving because then I can enjoy the journey and look at the view as we're going along. And the Lord says to you, the detour might be a detour, but there are things along that detour that I want you to experience and to enjoy and take the time to smell the roses. Don't be in such a rush to get to the destination. This is specifically for a few of you this morning. Don't be in such a rush to get to the destination because it's the journey that I want you to enjoy. It will feel like a detour, but nothing with me, says the Father, is ever a detour. And he is saying to you that he has got you a destination. Nothing, nothing, nothing will prevent you from reaching that destination if it's the Lord's destination for you. Nothing. God doesn't send a word out and it returns empty. If the Lord has given you a word and it is the Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing will prevent you from reaching your destination if it's the Lord's destination for you. So even though it's a detour, enjoy the journey. So, Father, we just say we welcome the destinations in our lives that you have pronounced over us, that you put in us from the day that we were conceived. We welcome those destinations. We welcome everything that you have placed in us and called us to be. We welcome that you want us to be fruitful and multiply. We welcome that you want us to steward all that you've given us well. We welcome the prophetic words from you that have been given to us. We welcome them and embrace them. And where hope deferred has made the heart sick, I just pronounce the declaration that hope fulfilled is a tree of life. And Jesus is your tree of life. Jesus is your tree of life. Jesus is your tree of life. 
Jesus is your tree of life. He is our light. He is our life. He is our hope. He is our healing. He is our restoration. He is our resurrection. He is our source of comfort. He is our strength in our time of need. He is the courage that we need to go through things. Jesus is our tree of life. So why don't we just pronounce that over ourselves? Jesus, you are my tree of life, not anything else. Jesus, you are my hope. You are my peace. You are my strength. You are the author and perfecter of my salvation. You are everything that I need. Jesus, you are my tree of life.